0: Welcome to the ICANN Podcast, the podcast of the Indiana Catholic Conference. The Indiana Catholic Conference is the official public policy voice of the Catholic bishops of Indiana. Welcome back to the ICANN Podcast. This is Alexander and Angela, and we're happy to be with you again for another week. This is week three of the General Assembly. Lots of movement on bills, and many committee hearings, and we've been down at the state house a lot. So we're going to give you an update on what we've seen and heard. Uh, Starting out this week, we've got uh, several bills related to TANF, which means Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, and uh, SNAP, Supplemental Assistance Nutrition Program. Um, So, Angela, you want to tell us about those bills and what we think about them?
1: Well, some are good and some aren't so good. Uh, Let's start with TANF, the good bill, Temporary Assistance to Needy Family. Mm -hmm. That's 1361. Correct, 1361. Previously, there were limits on uh, personal income and personal property. Say, for instance, um, having a vehicle couldn't be valued at over $10,000. Well, if you had a mother, father, and maybe a teenager who'd been gifted a car, had a car, you could easily see how that could go over $10,000. Particularly in today's market, um, used cars are going at a premium because people can't find them. And so those parameters were extended. Um, Also on that same bill, there was some changes to SNAP, uh, a a change that was similar last year to a TANF bill. whereas if some, a teenager or youth was involved in a work development or internship program, their income would not be counted against the family, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense. If someone's trying to learn a trade or a craft to better their life, um, it shouldn't be held against them. And that had been fixed with TANF, but it hadn't been fixed with SNAP, and so we were in support of that. Great. On the other side, there are some bad TANF bills and bad SNAP bills. Those numbers are? Uh, The bad SNAP bill's 1354, so let's start with that one. 1354 um, has within it changing the language and the law so that if a non-custodial or custodial parent is behind on child support, then the SNAP benefits would cease that month or any months that they are delinquent. Now in order to receive these benefits you can't bring home more than $1,800 a month. $1,800 a month Rounds out to about fifteen dollars per hour, mm-hmm. and in Indiana, the minimum wage is seven dollars and twenty five cents. so there are a lot of people who are making between seven twenty five and not as high as fifteen dollars an hour, which is the minimum or the what people call the minimum living wage that we've been trying to get to in other parts of the country so if you can't make more than $1,800 and many people are making less than $1,800 and they've been deemed eligible to receive the SNAP or TANF benefits, they're probably not paying child support because they're either underemployed, making 7 25 an hour, which then means they're only bringing home about $900 mm-hmm. a month, or they're unemployed altogether. And so who would be harmed? if these benefits cease. They receive these benefits because they have children in the home that need these benefits. Mm -hmm. Now also, SNAP also goes to elderly or disabled, but when you're talking about child support, you're talking about families that have children. And so we're opposed to this because the children would be penalized because someone is unemployed, underemployed, or even if they decide they don't want to pay or they have Say a casual arrangement that hasn't been um, listed with the court or you know an an authority because they are underemployed or unemployed and they give money when they can. We feel the child shouldn't be penalized. Yeah. The other one, TANF, uh, it has what seems like a benign requirement um, that people look for work. And we support workers and we believe that, you know, people have rights and responsibilities. um, And one of of the responsibilities is to care for yourself and care for your family the best way that you can. Mm -hmm. But this changes it that before it was an administrative decision whether or not somebody had to be involved in a workforce development program or a training program and the administrative decision, it was left to the agencies that work directly and more closely with the people in need. This change would put it at the state level and it would be codified. And during the pandemic, when it was deemed unsafe for people to participate in workforce development programs or be in large groups, at the local level, the people who were dealing with the people in need you know, made reasonable decisions that said, okay, we're going to, you know, let that lapse for a while. With it being codified into law, there wouldn't be any discretion.
0: And and that sounds to me like the principle of subsidiarity at work, right? Exactly. And we find that in the church's social teaching that decisions should be made at the lowest competent level. And especially when dealing with the poor and vulnerable, uh, those decisions, that for somebody who's closest to the to those who are experiencing suffering, um, it's probably the best place for those decisions to be made. Someone who knows them more more intimately, more closely, um, and can make those decisions more flexibly. Uh, we also saw saw a hearing and listened to a hearing on uh, Senate Bill fourteen, and this is a companion bill to ten seventy seven that we testified on uh, two weeks ago, and this- it has to do with handguns.
1: Yes, um, there. Even though there was a lot of opposition uh, from law enforcement, and hopefully, um, people who listen to the podcast may have seen uh, an article in the Diocesan newspapers about it it's on the Senate side. The good thing about it, what happened on the Senate side is that they didn't put it to a vote, so it hasn't passed out of the Senate. So uh, we can create an action alert uh, so that you can contact your lawmakers to say if it does get a vote on the Senate side, vote against it. Mm-hmm. And
0: So they'll be able to buy them anyway. This bill is talking about carrying them, right? So we do, I mean, we wouldn't, we want somebody um, who's not eligible Uh, according to the police and not a felon um, to... To make sure we have some screening process in place, even though right now in Indiana um, it's very limited, mm-hmm. and the cost for obtaining a handgun license to carry it um, is also very minimal—what, thirteen dollars, something like that?
1: Twelve ninety-five, I think. Yeah. Um, and then once they get a license, they can have it for life, unless they commit a felony or there's, you know, some other issues that you know come into play. Right. So, so I think that's something else we want to highlight is
0: how um, non-restrictive this process really is to begin with mm-hmm. and um, how th- we're being told that this this process is one tool, it may be a small tool, but it's one tool that could be helpful um, for our communities, particularly uh, law enforcement. And um, we don't believe that it's something that restricts that Second Amendment rights, right? Correct. Um, and then finally we can mention predatory lending. There was a bill that moved, um, it's 352. You want to tell us about that, Angela?
1: This, we've talked about payday lending. This is still predatory lending, but not payday lending. It's subprime lending. And it's capped at 36%, which if you've been paying attention to us over the years, we've been trying to get a cap at 36%. But we couldn't do a happy dance because it was finally capped at 36% because there's additional fees. There's monthly maintenance fees. There's processing fees. Um, If someone paid the loan off early, they didn't get any discount or any break. And if you bought, under this new proposed law, if you borrowed $1,500 in six months time, you could pay $2,800 for borrowing $1,500. Yeah, well said.
0: Well, I think that's all we have for this week. Um, We covered lots of lots of different bills. So we'll have more action alerts out on Friday of this week. (laughs) Next Monday, January 24th is the March for Life. And that's That's starting with 10.30 a.m. Mass with Archbishop Thompson at St. John the Evangelist Church. It's 126 West Georgia Street in Indianapolis. And then a noon March, and there will be a rally at 12.45. So we hope if you're in the area or you want to come down, we hope you join us. And if you can't, please uh, pray for the march. Pray um, for a culture of life. Um, especially for unborn life, but also beyond that, you know, we work um, to defend life at all stages in our work with the Catholic Conference and at the State House. But especially on the anniversary of Roe versus Wade, pray for the unborn. Um, and please keep us in your prayers as we continue our work at the State House. God bless.
1: God bless.